0: Hello and welcome to episode 152 of Page One, the Writers Podcast. I'm Tarek.
1: I'm Marco, and thanks for joining us on the podcast where we like to speak to writers about their writing careers, find out how they got into the industry, and try and get as many hints and tips from them as possible and we've got a great back catalogue of guests there, so please do check that out if you haven't already. Um, and this week we are speaking with a guest who uh, was formerly a journalist and now has just released her debut novel.
0: Yeah, we're chatting with Sarah Lee, who uh, for 25 years, as Margaret says, worked as a journalist and editor. She created a luxury travel blog, com, and she's Uh, written her first book A Notion Apart which is a saga about the Windrush nurses um, which is a topic she has a personal link to as
1: well. Yeah and it's interesting because the way that this came about was that the publisher, as we'll hear in the the interview, uh, the publisher approached her to to write the book as opposed to her pitching the book to the publisher. So, you know, we have a bit of a discussion about what that involves, how set in stone is something like that when the publisher pitches an idea to an author rather than the other way around. And obviously, because she's got personal stories to tell around uh, that whole topic, you know, how much of that could she bring into the story? Uh, and, And we also discuss, you know, is it better to talk about something like this a historical thing through the form of fiction rather than just a sort of dry article or academic paper or something like that do you catch people's attention more when yeah. it's written in in the form of fiction
0: i think you must do it. it's certainly something we've talked about on the show before and 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 i think personally speaking i definitely am more engaged with a, a work of fiction or or a a book which purports to be fiction, I suppose, which is also shown you about the history and the and the truth of of a topic or or a, or a, or an age, etc. So yeah, it's a really interesting chat we have with her. She's she's a lot of fun, and she's had a, quite an interesting journey into the writing industry. So I think there's a lot of hints and tips there for everybody.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we'll get straight into it uh, after a quick advert for our writer's notebook, and then we'll be back at the end of the podcast with a bit more chat and to let you know about next week's guest.
0: But for now. On with the podcast.
1: The blank page. To some, it's terrifying, an obstacle to overcome. But we prefer to think of it as an opportunity, a blank canvas to be filled with all of the adventures and characters in our head. So how to overcome that fear? Well, we all know the best advice for a writer is... Write. Seriously, get words on the page and more will follow.
0: But what about later, when you start trying to pull those threads of what you've written together? What about the character you wrote about way back at the start? Who was she again? What was she carrying? And where did she leave the MacGuffin that she now really needs in the third act? Think about all those top thrillers you like to read. Or that amazing drama you just watched. What did they all have in common? Structure and planning.
1: As aspiring writers ourselves, we've tried many different methods to try and organise all the thoughts about the stories we want to tell. We've been there, searching for a piece of scrap paper to note something down,
0: every story starts with page one
1: did you always want to be a writer
2: well I always wanted to be a journalist um, since I was about 11 years old uh, but writing fiction especially was never really on my agenda um, and even then you know like you know how people say, oh, yes, everyone's got a book in them. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was not that person. Really? <laughs> Why ever? <laughs> but I have actually uh, written another book. Um, a It was nonfiction in the main with a few narratives in there um, around luxury travel. And mm-hmm. I co-authored that with my husband. And that was only 20, 25,000 words. But by the time I'd finished that, I was saying, never again. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, we'll we'll find out what made you change your mind then for for your right. for your debut. But um I want to touch on that, that that you you said there that you had always wanted to be a journalist and obviously you have worked in journalism for uh, many years now. How how did you first get into that?
2: Oh, um gosh, it was so long ago. I'm so old. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> um yeah, I I guess I followed quite a traditional route, really. I uh, did a a journalism training um, course at Highbury College in Portsmouth, um, which was an NCTJ course. And uh, then following that, I then went to, uh, I worked in London for a communications company, um, Mm -hmm. did some corporate comms for some trade unions and some um, other sort of public sector organisations as well um and that was quite fun and you know just a first sort of you know initial kind of
1: yeah um, yeah yeah
2: yeah Yeah. exactly and then I did the very sort of traditional route actually then of leaving London altogether which was where I'm originally from and um I moved up uh, to Northamptonshire to work on a regional evening newspaper here um yeah so that's that's very sort of you know very much what um cub cub journos do mm-hmm. you know um and yeah then after that i was in to women's magazines um features for teletext and yeah freelancing and all sorts of different things yeah um but it was um yeah by a like i say a traditional sort of grounding i suppose yeah.
0: And and i know that i mean that must be a really good kind of as you see it like a grounding for becoming a writer because you're you're dealing with edits, you've got deadlines, you need to turn stuff in, you know, all that kind of thing. That's a good repertoire to have in your in your arsenal, isn't it?
2: It is, yeah. I realised just how much, actually, that was just how useful that was uh, when I, you know, started doing this. And actually mm-hmm. how um, publishers do tend to actually want to work with journalists as well. You know, that's kind of how I came to do this because I was a okay. journalist first, yeah.
1: And did, um, did, did I mean, Tarek's already sort of touched on this with his, with his question there, but I suppose the discipline of writing so much, part of the thing that aspiring writers, I suppose aspiring authors struggle with sometimes is the sort of the daily grind of writing, getting those yeah. words on the page and things like that. I presume, although you said that the writing of the book and we'll get to that was, was quite tricky, um, I presume that side of things, it was maybe a bit easier for you?
2: Don't get the wrong impression that I didn't have my days or was it even weeks of procrastination? <laughs> <laughs> um, I did plenty of that. And I, <laughs> I think that that's quite normal as well. Um, but yes, once I got into the groove with it all, you know, I was very much, yeah, I, I could get up and I got to the stage where I was doing about three and a half thousand words a day. Right. Um, which I've actually oh, never good. done before, ever. <laughs> um, uh, I think I I listened to another of your um, podcasts, and I can't remember who it was now, but um, he was a, a guy who was writing about 10,000 words a day or oh. something. Is that
1: Kasim Ali? I think it? it might have been Casimali. Yeah, yeah, that man's a
0: machine. He's not. He's not any. anyone and he doesn't that even yourself it. Again. It I know. He just listens and just writes, it, writes, it. Yeah, writes it. It out. makes me sick. Oh. to be honest. Yeah,
2: I'm just like, Who is this?
1: He is very much an outlier in terms. Yeah, of so Yeah,
2: exactly. I can imagine.
0: So, so you're you're writing these words. You know, what was it that made you? You what? What? would what you want to write? Write fiction. What made you want to branch out and, and, and write this extra stuff?
2: It it really wasn't in my plan at all. Um, I was actually um, found, you know, sort of, if for want of a better term, sort of headhunted for this. Okay. Um, you know, Pan Macmillan, my publishers, were looking for a black journalist who could write this, this story. They, this, uh, you know, the theme of which they had in mind already, you know, about... Um, women who come here from the Caribbean and train mm. as nurses you know during the Windrush generation and so they were looking for someone and yeah then a, a friend of mine who's a who I did my journalism training with actually at Highbury and then later she's become a novelist herself uh she she suggested it to me you know and um or me to them yeah probably that way around actually it's, it, uh, yeah
1: it, it's an interesting uh, the sort of genesis of of the book then there because normally obviously someone writes and then sends it out to the publishers but the public it's the reverse there yeah and uh, like when they came to you what were they saying to you? you know like how much of it was fixed in stone was it just that, that the sort of nub of the idea and the rest of it was left to you or did you have discussions about the story how did how did that work
2: well it was um during lockdown, and it was quite a, a time of shift, I think there, uh, um, Pan and so on as well. So um, the editor who I was dealing with originally, who had that idea, she then um, left actually sometime later. Um, and so the idea, that, though it would have been, uh, with the way that this was structured or initially, it should have been you know us coming together to discuss the idea Mm. and develop it together but then it would be more probably more of a sort of traditional commission actually Mm. you Mm. know if I look at it from a journalistic perspective you know that's how it, it would have been structured um what ended up happening was I sat down and I was chatting to my agent who said oh actually you know it's, you should probably crack on with writing this now, um, if we're going to hit any kind of deadline, like you know, get it out for next next autumn. Um, and so I, I I did. I made the start, um, you know, by developing the characters and the synopsis and so on first. By which point, you know, I'd actually taken it on quite a stage, and it really did become my hmm. um, my baby. You know, all of hmm. my ideas there.
0: Well, the book is called "An Ocean Apart." Um, so, why don't you tell us what the what the books what the story is about, and you know, and, and what the premise of, of that the actual book is, and we can chat about it.
2: Yes, uh, well, it's about three sisters, uh, Connie and Ruby. Sorry, three three girls. <laughs> it's about, the book is about three girls. Connie um, and Ruby Haynes, who are sisters, and Billy Benjamin, who is, um, she's from Jamaica, the sisters are coming over um, here from Barbados. And um, it's really about them coming to Britain to train as nurses um, within the, you know, as part of the Windrush generation, and about the ch- the challenges that they experience, it, experience but also the hopes and you know the friendships and um loves that they have whilst they're here as well you know
1: and and obviously as as far as I understand it it was it was quite a personal book to you because you know your your own mother had had experienced that she'd come from Barbados to work in the NHS and you grew up around other people that had done the same um had you ever thought of telling that story in a journalistic sense, in a non-fiction way? um, And if so, was it difficult to turn it into fiction?
2: It's really interesting that you asked me that because it's only in the past few months that it occurred to me, really, that I hadn't ever really thought about um, her story Mm. or that of, you know, of other Windrush generation Mm. um, people because to me it was just very normal. It was just what my mum had done. And um, so many people like her. And I hadn't, I feel almost a a level of guilt that I hadn't considered the impact that they had Mm -hmm. um, and the contribution that they made to Britain and how valuable that was. So this has actually been quite a gift for me to be able to uh, sit and chat to my mom and chat to other women like her and find out from them about their experiences and then to be able to share that yeah. with the world and make sure sh- you know really get that communicate um about what they did uh, and and what they contributed mm-hmm. i think it's it's just been fantastic yeah
0: and and you think you know Obviously, the book's got an important message, and the whole the whole Saga is is an important moment in history that needs to be taught and learned from, etc. And do you think that people often absorb or learn from these important historical moments if it's put through fiction, or you know, is it easier to get a message across if it's a fictional story as opposed to like a like a a documentary or like a journalistic article?
2: Yeah, that's. Another thing, really, I I think from doing this, I've realised that that is quite often the case, actually, uh, that not many people will pick up a history book. Yeah. And on, unfortunately, not many people are reading newspapers, you know, not in the, in the numbers that they're used to anyway, yeah. mm-hmm. or even certainly, you know, news magazines and things like that. It's still not happening. Uh, so this really does give an opportunity for people to discover the history in an accessible form. Yeah. So yeah, I I also tried within it to perhaps I'm I'm aware it's perhaps not the most literary book, but it is an accessible form Mm. of fiction. And that I think is important too, because maybe that actually is harking back to my, uh, training as a journalist as well where you <laughs> I don't know if you're aware but as a journalist you're you're often taught in news to write for an 11 year old right because yeah. you know you, you want to aim for that lowest common denominator almost
1: yeah
2: and so it's just not that this is pitched at that level by any means but it's just writing for that deep of, of, to, to allow as many people as possible to yeah, understand yeah. it
0: I mean, it makes sense because you, you you know you're almost you're almost trying to sneak learning in through the through the back door, aren't you? But, you know, here's you 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 read a story and and at the same time you get you get a good tale, but you also learn some stuff about real life history. And I think it's it's a really nice way to teach people with almost without them realizing it. You know, again,
2: yeah. It is. I've never really thought about it like that. <laughs> okay, so, sneaking I like to be in most the
0: emotional learning through, via stealth. Yeah. yeah. If I know I'm learning, I'm like, no, I'm done. I'm turning yeah, off. Yeah, exactly. Immediately, <laughs> immediately
1: Education
2: started. by stealth. You exactly. will learn. Yes. <laughs> I'm just going to sneak
1: um, uh, you in And you said earlier that um, you sort of fleshed out the synopsis and stuff before you started to, to write it. Are you, I, I appreciate this is your first. A fiction book but are you someone that does need to sit down and plan as opposed to just sort of have a vague idea uh, like the Kazim Ali's of this world if we say and just start <laughs> writing without without knowing where it's going to go
2: oh no I couldn't, couldn't live my life like him <laughs> he's brilliant he sounded absolutely fantastic I was so impressed um but no I, I'm not one of life's planners in general so i did have an outline and i knew the start middle and end for example and then i also planned um some level of uh chapter structure as well but not in a lot of detail
0: mm, yeah, yeah
2: yeah and i do think that might have given me a few headaches at times uh especially sort of in the middle or later stages of it but it also allows for flexibility as well you know you're not sort of feeling chained to doing doing things as you've you've listed them
1: yeah Uh, i i I always think there's a bit of a balance if you if you if you want Mm -hmm. to go with the plan route you don't want it to be absolutely rigid that that you can't divert from it because as you write things will happen and you'll want to divert or you'll find yourself Taking a different path maybe slightly um but at yeah. the same time you know writing without any sort of plan for f- certainly for some writers that myself included can can be quite a scary thing to <laughs> scary prospect i think it's a
0: thought of all those words that you've written that you now have to chuck because you've written yourself into a corner yeah, yeah or exactly you want yeah. to set something up differently it's just a waste of time so that yeah that me.
2: That, definitely. But then I think that's also where, to a degree, where some of your journalism training and experience comes into it. Okay. Because I was quite cautious about overwriting. Okay. Um, Because I know as an editor, it's a nightmare trying (laughs) to um, cut, cut, you know, like, yes, you can cut things, and it's easier if it's someone else's work, it's much easier <laughs> yeah. to cut that. <laughs> but to go over your own work and try to re- revisit and revise it is tough. Yeah. So, I tried to write as concisely as possible from the beginning. Okay. I did go over by, uh, well, depends on your outlook. It should well, yeah, probably about 16,000 words over. uh But then I managed to rein some of that in, and then they, they went with some of it, so it was fine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and and in terms of that process, then you you've got your plan, um, so you kind of know where you're going at least, and you know the major beats. What does that lead to? Did that lead to quite a a clean first draft? You know how many how many revisions of it were you were you doing before you had something that you were you were thinking mm-hmm. this is this is nearly there.
2: I just wrote it and every chapter I'd go back and read it, edit it, make sure it was as sharp as possible, have my husband read it. And also I have a friend who used to be an editor at Penguin. So she was with me each step of the way as well and reading it all and offering suggestions along the way. But other than that, once I'd written it, I sent it off. I didn't go back and revise umpteen chapters or yeah. you know, or in very much detail. I just sent it off to my editor and I was actually taken aback. Now, I don't know if it's because um, it was a good, good taken aback. you take it back yeah. in a good way. <laughs> um, but I'm not sure if it's because in journalism you expect a very, fine tooth comb to be run through everything mm-hmm. um on edit or if it's because i had actually just done a, a really decent first draft but uh, you know for the structural edit there were some changes for sure mm-hmm. uh there were some bits of a story that needed that i had to bring forward and some characters that needed slight tweaks in their personality and, and the way they behaved and so on to, uh, um, yeah, but actually it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. It was, I was, that was, that was the nice surprise that the structural edits weren't wild.
0: And I suppose being an editor, uh, being um, in the journalism world for as long as you have, you must've got used to getting, notes back and you know having a bit of a thick skin and not taking things too kind of personally if you're like oh it's not you know because i think often you get notes back and you think oh well they've just not got it or it's feels like a personal attack almost but i take it you're pretty used to as you say getting going stuff through with a fine a fine tooth comb
2: absolutely you know i mentioned that newspaper that i worked on yeah. <laughs> it was my second job that's where it gets knocked out of you if okay. you had any kind of ideas <laughs> that you were a great writer, no. <laughs> <laughs> and so you just—the beauty of it, though, is that I—I I think most journalists aren't precious about their work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They recognise that there's always a different perspective or room for improvements or something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it, it, obviously, it's—it's it's just recently released, but it's—it's it's already getting g- good reviews. I mean how does that feel you know your first your debut novel when it's it's being well received
2: oh it's absolutely fantastic i I couldn't be prouder really of what i've done i i'm yeah it's it's just lovely really lovely and actually a really Uh, uh, I I feel I felt very green for the whole of this process. Mm -hmm. Every time something comes up, I email my agent or my publisher and I'm like, well, you know, I know nothing about this. So (laughs) how does this work or what should I be doing or what comes next and that kind of thing. Um, So I felt really green through the whole thing. And and then but every now and again, there's an unexpected joy that comes yeah. from having published a book. And, yeah, there's been lots and lots of them in the past six weeks or so since the it's a bit longer than that, since the um, the hardback came out. Yeah. So, yeah. It's fantastic. I would. I would do anything like this again just for this period <laughs> <laughs> i'll take the glory <laughs> <laughs> and, but i others-
1: in a way as well although you've done this writing for for so long you know as a as a journalist although maybe in the days of the internet this has changed but it isn't something you would normally get feedback on very often is it as journalist journalistic writing as the yeah. same perhaps with comments below the line on the internet and stuff it's it's changed but it, this is the first time you're really getting feedback in that sense from people
2: yes absolutely i i have a luxury travel blog as well mm-hmm. that i run it's called live share travel and yes we have comments but the comments are about the place or Mm, the experience in the main they're not about your writing so actually i it did take me a a little while to get used to reviews and um you know they are a bit of a double-edged sword yes (laughs) as i realized quite quite early on um but yeah predominantly they've been very favorable uh so yeah it's it's been great but it, but yeah it's just interesting as well like you say I'm not used to scrutiny from mm-hmm. the public if you like you know there are of course Amazon reviews and all sorts of things nowadays yeah and I'm just like oh this is different
0: <laughs> was it you know you said that being a journalist you, you're used to you know you get your kind of thick skin early on etc and um but was there was a there part of you that was you know obviously you put yourself out there and you put your book out there and as you see you get these kind of reviews and you have to th- and, and, and it's more of a it's, it's more of an impact than you maybe were used to but but the fact that the story was such a personal one to you as well did that make it was there more was there more nerves from your point of view that it would be received well than if it was just like a story you'd made up from you know from 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 scratch was that personal element more of an impact?
2: Yes, it was a bit. I was also a bit worried about what my mum would think. <laughs> um,
1: but no, she loved it. loves it. Most important review. Yeah, like exactly. It really is. Yeah.
2: My God, the pressure was real. <laughs> <laughs> but no, she she loves it, and um, yeah, I I think it 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 was a little bit more nerve wracking and. I wanted also to feel as though I'd done justice to the Windrush generation, mm-hmm. yeah. and so I didn't want anyone coming, having read it, and feeling, "Oh, that's that's not the experience, or mm-hmm. that's not appropriate, or something like that." So that was probably another pressure as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and just going back to the fact that obviously originally the publisher had come to you with with to sort of commission you almost in this sense, but then uh, you you start working on your, yourself and things like that. I mean, is the relationship that you now have with the publisher more conventional, I suppose, um, in terms of any future writing and things like that? They're they expecting you to come to them with a the story or are they proposing more things for you to write?
2: I'm glad you... She- highlighted what that might be because i don't know what conventional is (laughs) (laughs) uh i think yes they're waiting for Mm -hmm. something from me
0: yeah okay and are you wanting to do more is this going to have ignited a fiction writing fire within you
2: Uh, Yeah, so I would actually, like I said earlier, it's all about the glory right now, so I'm signing
0: (laughs) up for that. Just chase that, chase that, 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 that feeling the whole way. Yeah, exactly.
2: It's a, um, it's not dopamine, I don't know what it would, what it would be, (laughs) but it's something that makes you feel quite good about it all. Um, But yeah, so, so. I think I was interested in taking the story on a stage as well, or you know exploring other char- characters mm. and other themes as well actually in a future books um anyway, and then, yes, this like i say this this period afterwards is so such a joy that I'm like, well, why wouldn't you do it? <laughs> you know, so yeah, it's um it's no joke writing hundred thousand words or, or more than that you know it's a it's a lot yeah and it does kind of take over and you've really got to be committed to it but yeah once you once you get stuck into it it's actually fun to do and I really enjoyed the creative process of it as yeah. well actually it was quite very very different to anything that I've done before um and just really interesting waking up thinking about your characters and what they were going to do in a certain situation Mm -hmm. and so on. Yeah.
1: Is there anything that you've done in this process that you would change for for future books?
2: Yeah, I think I might plan a little more. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Maybe try to stick with it because i had quite a few weeks in between i i I do have quite a lot on my plate as it is anyway Mm -hmm. i've got i run a business i've got the luxury travel blog and Mm -hmm. things like that so i had to break it up because i was doing other work in between but maybe try to find more um more time together more chunks of time together to work on yeah. it because yeah. Yeah. that was it was nice to be able to focus on it solely yeah and well, when i did actually it went really quickly as well
0: Yeah. well you mentioned your your travel blog is is livesharetravel dot com, and you know is that obviously that's something which you've got quite a passion for and i'm assuming of you want to keep going you know and, and and not not throw away just to become a Full time writer so you, you kind of want to keep that going right as well as writing fiction books yeah yeah
2: yeah, absolutely um it's it's something that i built up with my husband and yeah it's his another <laughs> labor of love is, <clears> is a travel blog i can't or any blog for that matter it's a it's a lot of work but um yeah it is a passion and absolutely the, the passion for travel is still there as well so yeah, love
0: sharing that with people. I mean, and, it's a lovely website. I mean, look, you know, it's got all these incredible locations and wonderful places to stay. I'm assuming to be able to write this kind of thing, you need, you need to actually travel there and spend some time in these wonderful places yourself. Absolutely. I can see yeah. why you don't want to give this up. That's just that's sense. <laughs> <now>. <laughs> that's
2: right. Why would you? Why would you give up? You know. <laughs> Uh, business class flights and luxury <laughs> hotels. And
0: why are you writing? And... Why are you writing fiction books? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so actually,
2: um... I tell you why it was because it was lockdown and. of course,
0: of course
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean,
2: it just so happened that the project came up at that time, but <clears throat> equally, um, it was it was a perfect time for me because I wouldn't really have had enough focus before to be able to think how am I going to take on a brand new project and uh, enter a new arena like this you know I think it would have been quite overwhelming otherwise
1: um one one thing I meant to ask you because you did mention your agent uh, before did you have an a literary agent already when the when the publisher approached you and if not how did you find your agent
2: I didn't know um I, yeah, I really, my publishers suggested, right, okay. I may want an agent and suggested I'm with Blake Friedman, and they suggested them, um, yeah. because I've worked with them quite closely. Um, and then the f- friend who had recommended me for this, she's also with the same agent. So it just seemed just a natural fit.
1: yeah. yeah. Nice. And yeah. I imagine it's very easy to get an agent if you've got a publisher a big publisher saying, "Could you write the book?" <laughs> yeah, <company?"> yeah. guaranteed <laughs> book cover. I yeah. think yeah. so.
2: Yeah. yeah, I I think so. I I'm so fortunate in as much as I don't know the struggle of getting an agent, mm-hmm. um, but I'm I can imagine it would be tough. Yes, And I, I suppose
0: so. the, you know the flip side is that yeah, you may have got the agent quite easily, but then you've also had. Years and years of working as a, as a writer to build up a portfolio of work, et cetera. And, you know, it's, I think it's often quite easy to think, oh, you see someone's overnight success or a or, or big moment and you don't look at the years of work that went in behind the scenes type things. So I think it's, you know, you've maybe got one thing easy, but you've got another thing very, very hard and you've worked very hard at it, I think.
2: Well, that's a good point. And thank you, Tarik, for that as well. Uh, it's sometimes, I think, even you do forget that yourself but yeah you're absolutely right it's it's not just been a meteoric rise to, fair, to, to no, fame totally. or anything no it's been a lot of slog along the yeah. way yeah yeah
1: and yeah. Uh, so so ocean apart is is out and, and getting these great reviews um have you started thinking about book 2 yet
2: i have yes i've come up with a synopsis Nice. I'm just waiting to hear. It now I don't know. <laughs> we'll see if they like it. If they don't, then like, there'll be nothing to say.
1: <laughs> so, so is that already? You've said that via your agent to them, and they're. I have. Yes. Just, yes. yes. oh Well, yeah.
0: from the okay. you're something good back.
2: Yes. Let's see. Hopefully, the
1: the the you know the reviews for Ocean Apart will play a part in, oh, in yeah, the decision as well. I would have thought.
2: Hopefully, hopefully, some sales as well. If everyone yeah. can get yeah. out there and buy it, bye, bye, bye.
0: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll put a link in the podcast description so people can do just that. Thank you. What was the last book that you read?
2: I'm currently reading In Every Mirror She's Black by Lola akumade Akastrom which, well, I'm reading it partly because she, she's actually a friend of mine, another travel blogger. Right. Um, but she, it also has incredible reviews and, yeah, has been so well received. So I'm really, you know, excited to get stuck into it properly. I've, um, yeah, I've been a bit slow with it so far. You <laughs> <laughs> uh, crack on.
0: <laughs> what about the last film that you watched?
2: Oh, I saw Don't Worry Darling at the cinema last week. Oh, yeah. Any that good? was interesting. Yeah, I, it was better than I expected, actually. um Harry Styles is—I'm—I'm I'm shocked to say that I was actually quite impressed with Harry Styles. I quite <laughs> well, like <right>. him. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> I've been enjoying the spitgate more than the the movie. I've not actually watched the movie, but the spitgate stuff with him and him and Chris Pine was very a entertaining. Spitgate. Yeah, that? you don't see the I bit where know. he. There was a whole video of him walking past Chris Pine and apparently spitting on his lap and. Chris Payne looks down. you kind of, and seems to track the spit towards his lap. Although you know, can't see anything, you can't see any spit, obviously. But then, and of course, he was just. I don't think. I don't think he actually spat in his lap at all. But it was. Yeah, for a, moment, for the, a day, of, the internet seemed to yeah. you know. It seemed to be very. Clear controversy had, was... about the
1: film, but uh, it uh, did look quite interesting to me. So I'm glad to hear it. It's, yeah, it's, it's worth watching. Yeah,
2: dystopian. it's yeah. quite interesting.
1: Mm. Nice. And uh, what about the last TV show that you watched or are watching?
0: Um
2: oh what's, hot what's oh uh I started The Empress late last night mm-hmm. on Netflix which is all about um oh, one of the Habsburgs in Austria right, it's, okay. this is I travel a lot to Austria and have some friends and someone recommended it to me but other than that, I am also
0: hooked
1: on House of, Dra- House of the Dragon at the minute as well. Oh, I've still to start that. I'm, yeah. not, I'm a couple of episodes behind, but I have been enjoying it, yeah, in this yeah. Problem is sadistic Game on... of Thrones type yeah. of enjoyment. <laughs> as ever. Yeah. It came out
0: at the same time as Lord of the Rings for me, so I was like, so I was like I'm, going to, I'm going to follow one fantasy show. I've got one episode left with Lord of the Rings, and then I'm going to switch over to House of the Dragon, so I don't have two fantasy shows, yeah. fantasy shows at the same time. But I'm looking forward to same. it,
2: definitely. I think I'm going to do it the other way around. Actually. Yeah,
0: I've really enjoyed it. It's, I've thought it's fantastic. Blood Rings. I know some people have said it's great yeah, things. not great, but I'm, I've I've I thought it's fantastic. The la- there was one episode where it was it was just it was like watching them. The money in these shows is just insane. The budget is just crazy. Yeah, yeah, great.
2: yeah. I'm excited to to catch it actually. Yeah, a friend was telling me all about it and said it's um, incredible. Yeah, she prefers no, yeah. it to House of the Dragon, and she's very much a Game of Thrones oh, fan right. as great. well.
0: Yeah. Um, well, the the very very last thing most' we'll do is a super quick fire either or, and I always say there's no right answer here apart from one. But we'll start off with uh, call the midwife or Small Island.
2: Oh no! <laughs> That's an evil question to ask me because of the, how my my book has tagged us. called the midwife meets Small Island. <laughs> yeah. that Let me have let me have informed
0: the question a little. Yeah.
2: I will oh, I actually have to say Small Island because I've actually only ever watched one or two episodes of Call the Midwife a long time ago.
1: That's fair enough. Okay. That's fair enough. Uh, TV or cinema?
0: Oh, cinema. Good <laughs> I <laughs> I <didn't> choice. <remember>. <laughs> yeah. uh, night owl or early bird?
2: Night owl for my sins.
1: <laughs> uh, music or no music when you're right. Oh,
2: uh, music i thought you meant in general but i'm very into music but also even when i was writing i, I focused music yes, was yeah, my thing really helped a lot yeah
0: nice and the last one real book or ebook Real book's nice. Ah, oh, you know, I thought, I've got a travel person here. She's always got on planes. I was like, surely, surely oh, yeah. an ebook reader if ever I found one, <laughs> but no.
2: I mean, I've got a Kindle as well. And, uh, you know, I, I'm actually oh, happy with either, but you made me choose. It's a binary
1: thing. Yeah, I know. It's my own fault. It's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> Well thanks very much to Sarah for coming on to the podcast I thought that was a, a lot of fun and, and really interesting yeah. and you know we've spoken to people who have been journalists turned authors before and it is always interesting to me you know it's not surprising but you know the the skills that they learn in that uh, job obviously mm-hmm. do help in some way in, in yeah. terms of writing fiction as well and just you know being able to have the discipline to write three and a half thousand words a day is is pretty good it's not as we discussed in the podcast kazima lee levels i'm <laughs> not uh, sure anything is production. but uh, it is uh, obviously a very prolific rate and will certainly help you get through uh, a first draft of a novel quite quickly yeah. if you're able to do that
0: and, and that's it i think i think the journalist skills that people take from that and who we've chatted in the past who've become novel writers it's it's that kind of treating it like, like a job, isn't it? It's like a nine-to-five job when you sit down and it's about getting the words on the page and, and not worrying too much about the quality of them necessarily. That's for redrafting and stuff. And it's, it's I mean, everyone's got, got their own method and their own way, et cetera, but there's something to be said about just getting words down and worrying about the quote of them later rather than agonizing over that kind of empty page. Yeah, th- I think I think you can definitely get stuck. In. I mean
1: obviously different things work for different people, but also what she was saying there about, you know, not overwriting and stuff, that that's yeah. something that you will learn if you're if you're in a job where you're uh, you know, submitting copy oh, every day or something like getting that feedback on yeah. your
0: writing every day yeah absolutely
1: so uh, yeah thanks very much to sarah her her book an ocean apart came out uh, last uh, towards the end of last year when we recorded the interview and uh, you can pick that up in bookshops now and we'll put a link in the podcast description to that uh, but next week we've got another great guest
0: yeah next week we're chatting with aisha malik who has had a really interesting route into the to the industry uh, much like Sarah Lee she she started with in the publishing side of things with Penguin Random House she's worked for literary consultancies and her own books are are kind of um they've been described as Muslim Bridget Jones which is a quite an interesting uh, comparison and uh and she's also ghostwritten uh, a number of books so really i mean an interesting history there
1: yeah a lot a lot of different uh experiences that she's brought to her own writing there and uh, yeah another guest who's who was really good fun to speak to she she also often appears on uh, the Red Hot Chili Writers podcast uh, which is uh, hosted by Vasim Khan and Abir Mukherjee who are past guests on the podcast uh, so yeah it, it's it's a really good chat so I hope you can join us for that one if you if you enjoyed this week's episode though please do take time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever your favourite podcast app is, as that helps us to continue to get great guests on the podcast.
0: And of course if you, you want to get in touch, you can always drop us uh, a tweet in the Twitter machine which is at UK page 1 uh, or you can drop us uh, an email which is podcast at uk. or you can do it on Macedon at, and I wrote it down somewhere and I'm Searching for the document as I speak to try and find where it is, and I can't find it, so I have no idea what the Mastodon one is.
1: Writing.exchange slash at page one pod.
0: Writing.exchange at slash page one dot com. No, no, the slash, slash comes at. first. There's too many that's my problem, I think, is it's all the weird symbols are Mastodon. It's really together. not it's...
1: difficult. Writing.exchange is the website and we're at page one pod. That's how that's how oh, that's, easy it is to find I us. Um, so yeah, if you haven't checked out Mastodon uh, and you're getting sick of what's happening to Twitter is worth worth looking at because it does work the same and it's not as difficult as Tarek makes it. If out. you
0: can somehow find it there, I'm sure it's a wonderful place. <laughs> Maybe one day I'll come along.
1: Um, but otherwise, have a great week and we'll speak to you next episode. See you later.